welcome to yet another episode of the Let's Talk Leadership podcast. This is a show where I, Ellie, MD of Transition Partners and the CEO, Sandra, talk to some of the world's highest achieving business and tech leaders. In each episode, we will be sharing tales, tips, techniques and war stories in the hope that you will learn from some of these amazing leaders to help you develop and progress your career. Hello everyone and welcome to the Let's Talk Leadership podcast. I am so excited today to be joined online with one of the smiliest faces I've seen for a while. We've got the lovely Christina Wagkamaya. Christina is currently the CPO at Bitwala, a challenger bank from Berlin, which offer the first blockchain bank account. Prior to this, she worked with two other well-known Berlin startup unicorns, where she led several product teams, such as N26, as well as managing Zalando's mobile apps for close to five years. Outside of work, Christina's passion is traveling, and she's also hosts her own podcast, Rethinking Employment and Purpose at Work. So we are so excited to have you on the show today. Hello, Christina. Hi, I'm super happy to be here. Thank you for the invite. We're so excited to have you on the show. I've heard wonderful things from Sarah and you were just telling me, so you've just moved into some brand new offices into Berlin. Is that right? Yes. We're now right at the heart of Kreuzberg in Berlin, kind of the alternative, I mean, alternative slash gentrified areas here in Berlin. Um, but we're in a really great building, the former Beta House. It's basically was a place where a lot of startups came to life. So we're super, super happy to be here. Um, super newly refurbished, like really nice place. Big rooftop so it's so exciting isn't it every time you move offices it's like it's a whole new business and things change and it's just I remember when we moved offices about a year and a half ago and it just brought so much energy and enthusiasm back to the team just just a bit of a change of scene which is really exciting so I'd love to start the podcast then by you telling us to how you got to where you are today so tell us a bit about your journey into tech yeah. So yeah, today I'm the CPO of Bitwala. So that means yeah. chief product officer. Um, so I'm responsible for yeah the entire product experience, the customer experience of the Bitwala app, mobile and, and web, um, also for design. Um, yeah, maybe until before I get back what I did before, maybe I even go a few years back into to my studies because um, I came to Berlin to study music and culture. Where are you from I'm, originally? the south of Germany like a little village close to Stuttgart um, so I'm rather from the countryside but I always mm-hmm. had the feeling I never fit in <laughs> so when I was 13 I asked my parents hey I actually want to move to France can I move to France and I said hell no but then I actually figured out in school there might be a three-month program how I could go to France so I went to France when I was 13. Oh wow and- so you're always really independent then <laughs> <then. laughs> and my best friend at school she was in the boarding school in, in like on the same school and I was very impressed by that. So I came back and I was like, hey, parents, actually, I would like to go in a boarding school. And they were like, no. <laughs> so in the end, I ended up in a boarding school when I was 15. And it was a boarding school for music. So, um, wow. yeah. And I, I was somehow like really influenced because everyone wanted to do something with music afterwards. I think me not, but that's what everyone did in like my closest surroundings. So I actually thought, okay, I'm going to study the science of music and culture in Berlin. So I actually moved to Berlin when I was 18, started studying that. And after two semesters, I figured out it somehow took the whole passion of music for me because you're just analyzing things and it's not so much about like, you know, feeling music and and so on. And then I'm like, 
it's nice to know all of that, but then I somehow got a bit afraid and I was like, okay, I need to do something that I get a job later on. Mm -hmm. And then I started studying business Mm -hmm. and I was very good in mathematics. So I actually picked a school which was focused on mathematics. So actually I didn't have to learn so much because I was also a bit lazy. So I only calculated... Um, but I never really understood like if there are any nice jobs with business because I started to work in a in a kind of a text um, text company um, something like you know a Price Waterhouse Coopers KPMG kind of style kind of company from Berlin yeah, and wow. then um, I thought okay that's it right um, you go to an office where everyone looks a little bit square and then like you spend your whole days there and if you're very happy you can have a beer after work and that's the fun you have during the day so I thought this is the work life because that's what I experienced during my studies and that's what I experienced in my working (laughs) student times and then when I was done with my bachelor I asked them because I was very uncreative I had to say what to do and that work could be really cool so I asked them can I stay here for the next year and then I was really happy to have a good boss because he said Christina you're way too overqualified for doing these jobs here like you should go into management consulting because you're a very strategic person like that's your thing yeah, so he actually called the guy from the management consulting part of the company and he was like, yeah, sure, you should come over. So I actually started working there. Um, and then I figured out actually that's something I really, really liked, um, like this kind of concept, concept work, uh, analyzing things, figuring out what the problem is. And what I learned very early on, and I think it was only 21, is the biggest problem that companies are usually having it's not like, you know, the markets are changing. I mean, that's also a problem, but the, the biggest problem usually is that team A or the lead of team A does not get along with the lead of team B or some like personal problems usually create the biggest problems in a company that just scales up or down. And that's was my biggest learning I had in my, during my management consultancy times. But also what I learned is that we somehow then make a project out of it and then earn a lot of money with it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I mean, I learned way more things. Like I think I learned how to do proper, proper presentation. It's something that actually is an art where I still yeah. try to teach sometimes my, my direct reports, how to do great presentations based on the pyramid principle. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that was a good time. But then I also figured out I was in a room with five old gray haired men and, and me, and I was 21 and they were like probably starting 45 or something. And I can remember every time I go to the office on Monday morning, I was like, hey, how was your weekend? What did you do? And I just looked at me like, why did she ask her that? Like, why would she want to talk like personal things? And I got a little bit environment, which was not for me, even though I really liked the work itself. So I that's actually- a shame, like, isn't it? When you love the work, but you just didn't feel like yeah. it was right. Yeah, but it's it sometimes, right? It's not like every environment is not- the right one for everyone so I think that's why it's also important to figure out what's the environment that you like and I think normally what I do then if I'm not happy I go traveling <laughs> so I traveled to uh, the US and I visited a friend in, in California and while we went on those long road trips I just figured out shit I really need to go because it made me so unhappy and while you're in you often don't feel it so actually yeah. I Germany, quit my job um, started my master's and then I, I thought okay now I'm gonna do an internship of something where I'm pretty sure I will hate it, uh, but I want to try it out. And that was marketing because I hated marketing in school and it was just multiple choice and I was terrible in learning and like learning by heart. So I, I was really, really bad at marketing. But then I figured out there's a new thing that came up, which was mobile marketing. 
Mm-hmm. So it was 2010. It was the, the moment, you know, the iPhone was just around. Android was still a nerd platform. Like everyone built for BlackBerry, but it was this new way of like, you know, building products and like use products also for growing your business and so on. So I found a really, really innovative company in Berlin called Icon Mobile. And I actually wrote them because I knew someone working there uh, or had worked there. So I wrote them and they got an introduction and um, they invited me for an interview and were super impressed by my presentation skills. (laughs) 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 Principles. That's what I learned. Yeah. And actually I joined them as a working student, um, but then like it more or less became a part-time job and I was like really, really working for them and also managing projects and so on. So that was pretty cool. They gave me a lot of chances. So I even went on a, a roadshow with their um, managing director where we actually did a great project throughout Germany together with Apple. So suddenly oh, wow. it was such a great experience for me. And um, yeah. yeah, then after I was done with my studies, so I worked like usually 20, 30 hours for them a week. Um, I actually went to just a competitor consultancy. So because I was really then in love with this whole mobile topic and I learned so much how it could create value for different industries and different companies. And then it was two years later. So mobile has not been mainstream yet. You cannot believe this. Yeah, you can't even comprehend the days when it wasn't mainstream. (laughs) And I think this is, but this is more or less how I learned how to, how technology basically um, can help you to solve problems of customers of like us of everyone you know it's not about and what i really learned is also technology should never be an enabler even though mobile was exciting and fancy we should not build marketing apps for companies we should rather reject it and tell them look if you really want to solve a problem that's build up a strategy how mobile can help you to do things more smarter or efficiently or solve problems better so yeah that's what i did for like around five years for sadaka mm-hmm. mobile and at aperto and then Oh, maybe one story, which is interesting, because you also asked me about this kind of failures, like what happened to you? And I think it's also an interesting leadership advice. In 2012, after this um, experience, I applied on Zalando. Zalando is like one of the Uh, fashion e-commerce players in Europe. And uh, they wanted to hire me as a mobile expert. (laughs) And then, but I had the, my gut feeling told me I would still do another agency job because I found it so interesting how new technologies can serve different industries differently to to not only work for one player, but to learn a little bit more how it can be helpful for different industries. So it's a great place to start, isn't it? That agencies and all that yeah. exposure. Yeah, definitely. So it just didn't feel like it was the right time for you. Yeah, but I, I signed it anyways. And then three days before I had to join, this other agency I really wanted to work for called me and said, you know what, someone quit. Like, we finally have a position for you. And I like, oh, shit. I just signed. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? Um, if you pay me the same terms, I'm going to do it. And I just said, okay. And then I called Zalando and they were super, super pissed off. Yeah. I went to these agencies for two, three years. And then actually I was approached by Zalando again, by complete different people, different setup and so on. Did and they know the people that approached you then? They didn't know that you well, were before. Actually, in one of my first weeks, I went down and had a cigarette. And then yeah. there was <laughs> this one lady and she looked at me and she was like, I know your face. Like, what is your name? <laughs> I told her my name. And she was like, you know what? You were my first hire in Zalando. And you never showed up. <laughs> so actually, I always thought, you know, my learning was because yeah. after this, you know, after this behavior, I thought I will never ever land a job there anymore. I never have to apply there again. But it's, I think sometimes just a good lesson that if it's the right thing and if it's the right place for you, 
you can just be honest and you can also try to get in there at some other point in time. It doesn't matter. Yeah. But I think everyone How did you leave it interestingly when you told them when you told them you weren't coming, you were going to this agency? How did you go around that? I mean, I explained them. I explained them why, right? And um, just about doing it in the right way as well, right? Being like human, and like, obviously, as an agent, this happens to us every now yeah. and then. But I mean, you know, most people around, like most people, are usually acting out of fear, mm. and that means you rather do something that doesn't make you happy, but just your fear to never get a job. Yeah. And this is also what a lot of people advised me. They said, "No, you're not going to do it." Like this will affect your reputation. Da, 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 da. And in the end, I did it anyways. And uh, in the end, I ended but up. But if it feels London. right and it's the right thing to do. I did it years ago. And literally the week before I was meant to start, they'd wait three months. And when I went and did it, I did it in person because I thought I should do it in person. They're only up the road. And now I look back and I think, how weird is that? That you went up to him in person and said, I'm really sorry, but I'm not actually starting next week. It must have been, it must have been so awkward. But at the time, I just thought it was the right thing to do. Yeah. There's no hard feelings there. So. <laughs> and um, yeah, and then a few days later, I actually ended up there as, uh, yeah, and was hired as kind of a, for a mobile expert role initially. Because they had this big project also in front of them. They wanted to become a mobile first company. And like, this doesn't mean that only the developers and the designers change how they work, but we needed to get this whole shift in like pretty much everyone's mind, like starting from HR to the finance departments into the content creation, marketing, like, like everyone we did needed to rethink. And it was very interesting because back then that was 2015 Mobile first, it was really hard, even though it was a digital company, you know, with young people, you could figure out, no, change is hard. It, it's not a matter of age. It's just like, because people are too reluctant for change and like people are too lazy to change the way how they have done things. And it's usually you always say the old people there don't want to adapt to the digital world, but it's not true because we saw it, right? I mean, these were all young people, digital first, but even like moving from desktop first, to mobile first it was also really really hard to get this mind shift throughout the company I can imagine yeah, then I started in the in the mobile apps team and it was the same right their app was if I'm very honest initially like no one no one put so much focus on it so it was a little bit the it looked a little bit like the gray orange version of Amazon right. and so the task was really okay how can you create such a big vision that's that's sustainable for even when all the mobile first approaches not com from competitors would come up like if new startups coming up that really understand mobile first fashion shopping like what would we need to do what would you need to how do we need to think that we can disrupt ourselves so the task was really how would our app need to be that it, we could be disrupted so we really gave ourselves a task how could we destroy ourselves how could we destroy our business so to, to really think that way because ultimately you know, and in these areas, it's just a matter of time until you have the next startup, which coming with a better way to to do those things. So, and it's so interesting to do it that way around, isn't it? Coming from that challenge yeah. side of it, it's really interesting. And this also is until today, um, it's stuck in my mind, right? You always have to see like you're you're not safe out there, and it's such a competitive environment, like in general um, products, like digital products. So you always have to ask yourself what would I need to do today to destroy our company like with another product? And I think this is how you need to reinvent yourself all the time. Um, it was That's a very good way to look at it. And then, yeah, I, I was there in the mobile apps team for quite a while. We built up a vision, executed it over the years. And then, and then I went on a sabbatical. 
And this, to be honest, changed the most for me. You asked me for a long answer of this question. Yeah. <laughs> I want to know, where did you go on your sabbatical? Um, I, went to, um, I went to Southeast Asia. Wow. And before that, I already was ready to leave the company because I had an offer for my dream company, Spotify. But then okay, wow. they learned, oh, you're only going on sabbatical, but then we want you to start right away. And then I was in this, in this really weird position, like either I have my sabbatical and then I have to stay where I am, or I skip my sabbatical and take my dream job. This was a really tough decision, by the way. And in the end, I, I said, I'm not going to go against the sabbatical because I really, this is also a dream, you know, and I think you, I could decide against myself and for a job. This is how it felt. So I went on a sabbatical to Southeast Asia and I studied in Taiwan, then went to Hong Kong, then Vietnam, North to South, Cambodia, Thailand, Malaysia, um, Singapore. I think that's it. God, I bet it feels like a distant memory at the moment in lockdown. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that trip literally changed my life because, um, I don't know, I spent most of the time like a little bit with my boyfriend, but the majority of the time by myself. And wow. um, I also st- spent a lot of time in like silent meditation retreats and uh, like where you just let everything go and like yeah, really become silent, especially in your brain. And I don't know, I had the feeling like just a lot of things changed for me. And this is one thing that I still have in my mind from that time. And what I learned is no matter what we do in life, we either decide out of fear or out of love. And I think if you think of it, it's true, right? Like this, whatever you do, I'd work in your private life. Even if you're like really pissed off someone it's on, it's all fear. And you could always like, it's your perspective. Do you come into work in the morning and do you love it? And do you love the people around you? And do you laugh at your decisions? Or are you coming and like, you just hate everything. And it's like, to a certain degree, it's fear because you fear that it's not right or uh, you're wasting your time because it could be something better and so on. So I think that was my biggest learning from that time. And then um, if you completely switched off for so long, like it was only three and a half months, but it felt like forever because I was really not contact, like not in contact a lot with friends, family and so on. So I was really on my own. Um, and I also, what I learned is you're never alone if you travel alone. Like I had really, really moments that were not cool, but in this moment, always out of a sudden, someone came and helped you. And then you never see this person again. But in this moment, it was like your, your angel <laughs> that just yeah, arrived. And- yeah, like those special moments. It's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. And then I guess from such a like, someone that's been you've been working like mobile first everything you've been doing is digital and then literally just switching off that must have been such a journey for you so when you came back then from that three and a half months how did you feel then because that must have been like usually like you say you go on big trips or you do something and you come yeah. back and you probably have something else really exciting lined up like this dream job at Spotify. yeah but i think the right thing and going back to zolando it must have been like that must have taken some getting used to. Yeah, actually. And then again, I, I mean, of course, I acted out of fear because I have just could have just quit my job. But I, I in the end, you know, I, I did a sabbatical and not just a break because I, I was afraid of like, I wanted to come back and have a security of a job, you know. But then while I was traveling, I lost all of that because I was like, oh, can I just not go home? I would go on like travel for another three to six months because I had the feeling my trip wasn't over, not mentally not over. So I came back. And the, I can really literally back and the next day I had to go to the office. And then I sat in a meeting where everyone was fighting with each other, literally six people fighting at each other, like yeah. getting a little bit loud as well. And I sat there and I was like, what? like I was still so zen, you know? And I'm like, 
why are we all doing this to each other? Like, <laughs> like I just sat there and I can remember some of my teams that came and then my second or third day, they told me, hey, we have delays here, we have delays there, da, da, da. And I was like, you know what? Let me just like do it in the next release. And they looked at me like, what? Are you You've okay? changed. <laughs> and, but what I, yeah, what I figured out, I mean, I couldn't go on and do the same thing that I've did for a few years. I couldn't, I just could not. And I said, like, okay, either I need another challenge. So I was in conversations with Spotify again. Um, but then the team, they suggested me that was not the right fit. And this is what I felt. Uh, it didn't feel right to me anymore. And then uh, I was offered, um, actually resigned from Zalando, but then they offered me a quite interesting role. And um, then I took over the product leadership at Zalando Plus, which was the kind of Amazon Prime of Zalando. So it's their oh, the premium membership and uh, comes along with like premium benefits, like same net delivery and like return pickups and so on. So that was really, really cool because there was still a lot of things to shape, um, really like scaling the team, hiring a lot of people in, like onboarding and like really build up a strong customer facing product, like customer centric a product team changing the way as how they worked and so on it was super super interesting and um but then also after a year um it's still it was still the same context for almost five years we just fashion e-commerce and i'm like oh i somehow need to deal with different customer problems uh, yeah. and i never i never was kind of a fashion person and i'm not actually so um I'm like, okay, I need something else. And um, yeah, and I think then uh, N26, uh, one of the biggest Berlin challenger banks came along. And uh, so I got in contact with Georgie, the former CPO. And um, yeah. Yes, think- yeah, I'm connected with Georgie on um, LinkedIn, actually. She looks amazing, really yeah. great, inspiring lady. Exactly, that's what I thought. I thought, yeah. hey, cool, they have a female CPO. She seems like super kick-ass. Um, I think yeah, she cool. does. <laughs> and it's a cool, cool product as well. And so I got in contact with her and... Uh, yeah, then um, they gave me the opportunity to actually, um, yeah, on the, the home screen of the app and spaces. So basically the first two apps, uh, app tabs uh, were done by my teams. And it was a super, super, super cool challenge um, because it's, it was a complete new industry for me. But ultimately, if you're a very customer centric product person, it doesn't really matter because in the end, it's about re- really creating empathy with users and customers, figuring really out what their problem is and solve it. Um, and I don't believe you need to have the super deep industry expertise for doing that. You need to understand customer problems. That's way more important to know all the solutions that are out there. I agree. But interestingly, a lot in fintech, they normally want fintech product experience. I feel like out of all the industries like there is in product, fintech's the one where they're always normally asking yeah, for that. I true. love that you said that. And I, I agree with that wholly. And this is the problem because that's why all the solutions that you that you you find in the fintech sphere they're not solving the problem right. I don't believe that throwing fifty thousand shares at someone that still doesn't know how to invest does solve the problem, you know. And it's too technical, too functional, too designed for people that understand the financial system. So, yeah, I think um, that was a good time for me. And. Um, then one day I was also working on a longer term strategy. I figured out. Um, there must be something else out there. If we really want to disrupt the financial system, we cannot rely on old school technology in the way, old school way of doing things. Yeah. While I was, yeah, a little bit in a reflective state, so to say, it was also like last year in February, March. Um, I received a call from Ben, our current co-founder, and he told me about, like, initially called me and he was like, yeah, blah, blah, told me, I, I saw the product and I was not really interested by it because it was not like, I, I didn't come from this like blockchain or cryptocurrency background. Yeah. Most people do that work in that area. 
But then we had a call and he told me a bit about his vision and exactly that, right? He said, like, in, in the end, if we want to provide better financial products, we need to be brave enough to use new technologies to build them. And like we had a conversation on that because that was exactly my point this week. And I don't know which destiny it was, but brought us together. We talked about it and it was super, super interesting. And he said, look, we do have a lot of expertise in house when it comes to crypto and blockchain and all of that. But what we are lacking is someone who has deep empathy for customers and help us to bring this to the mainstream. And yeah. I was like, oh, great. That's a fit. That's <laughs> so, so yeah, awesome. a lot of calls, walks whatsoever. And then we figured out this is an amazing fit. And um, yeah, I think for me, it was a great opportunity because it was like moving from middle management up to the very top. And so great. Such a brilliant opportunity. And how long have you been with Bitvala now for? Uh, uh, well, I started in September, but I can tell you it feels like three years because really? <laughs> crazy thing. Like um, in my third week, I was already like pitching for fundraising. In my fifth, sixth week, we actually closed our funding round. Oh, wow. uh, we already being in there like presenting through the ups and downs the journey that yes. that comes with it so that's so awesome that's so, really exciting good for yeah. you and like a different opportunity which is really cool totally. so obviously you've got a super impressive background working some for some really big leading brands in berlin um and and the opportunity you're at now at cpo level what, what what do you think it is that makes you successful and what advice would you offer to those looking to sort of follow your footsteps mm. so i think what like what people would say about me or what my reputation for sure is in every company i work is like getting shit done and make things happen um because if people tell me it's not possible yeah we tried this many times this is even encouraging me <laughs> I can remember yeah, I when can i tried I came in, they wanted to deliver something which they haven't been successful with for three years. Like even the CTO, like a, a lot of people came to me and said like, yeah, we tried this forever. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it. We made it happen. So that's, <laughs> that's something that I, um, that I think is my main. Uh, yeah. However, it was also the advice that I get from my, one of my former leads. She said, you know what? Especially as a woman, um, you only get taken seriously if you show that you deliver and in the end, like, that's what it's about, right? People can talk about strategies, people can talk about concepts, but it's, it doesn't it doesn't care. Like, it doesn't matter if you're not managed to deliver all of that. So what you promise, you deliver. And uh, that's, I think that's also the advice that I would give to people because um, even if you start new in a company, you know, often people come in and everyone has ideas and challenges, everything. And I'm the first one coming in and challenging, but um the more important is that you're going to be judged on what you deliver in your first two, three months, right? So I always encourage people come in, make something happen that's currently very important for the company. And then you have this street credibility to actually really challenge things because this is also what is, for me, it's not only coming in and like executing. For me, it's like coming in and make things better. And it, I, I don't mind if it's improvement of the finance team, of the HR team, of the design team, whoever. Um, for me, it's important that we think of product as a whole and even if i do see something on the home screen which is not right and it's done by the marketing team i would go there and tell them it doesn't look great we should fix yeah. it so yeah. and but i think you can only do that or you should get the street cred first though do the delivery the key thing because that's and that is something that quite often goes wrong doesn't it i think with people when they change jobs in industry exactly they come in with all these great ideas straight away but they haven't you haven't yeah. like t-shirt yet like you really need to build up that street cred that's really cool. And I think it's really clear hearing to your story that like natural determination that you've got and that fire in your belly, which is awesome. So your role now then, 
as a leader, how many people, CPO, how many people are you managing? Oh, right now, maybe 10, 12. Yeah. How's that journey? Because leadership's a funny one, right? Like, how have you found that? And, and how would your team describe your leadership style? <laughs> Radical candor. <laughs> Do you know this book by Kim Scott, Radical Candor? No, I've not read it. Yeah, you should link it. It's, it's okay. really great. So the yeah. whole concept is basically it has um, this graph and it's about like that you care deeply about your people, but you're also like radical candor, like super honest with honest and direct with people. And she uh-huh. said, like, if you don't care about the people and you're direct, you're like super aggressive. If mm-hmm. you um, care about your people and you're like not direct, you're you're sugarcoating things and you not really help them to get better. And you're yeah. just like saying, oh, yeah, everything is great, but you're not helping them grow and like, you know, work on their improvements and so on. And radical candor basically means that you care deeply about people. So yeah. when there's something, you're really there for them and you help them, but you're also not trying to sugarcoat things if you give them feedback. You're directly honest. And uh, yeah. And I think that's I love funny. That. Um, so I usually come that in. That sounds very like me, actually. I feel like I need to look into this now. And have really it's really good. Check out the book. It's amazing. Yeah. I think. And the team would say the exact same then? Yeah, I would say so. Because um, I think in the in the beginning, if people don't know me, um, I'm, you know, I, how I am. I, like, people come to me, show me something. I'm like, I, I would ask them, is there a way we can do it better? So I would not try to say like, oh, what is your rationale about it? Like, tell me more. Hmm, interesting. Like, this is not me because I normally I don't have a lot of time because right now the biggest challenge I have is that the, the leads for the teams for design and for product and so on, they're just starting. So I'm leading every, every person in the product and design are currently myself. And that's a lot yeah. for me because I actually have another job. <laughs> so I'm also doing the two team leads round um, until my, my, the, the heads join now in the next weeks. And often I don't have a lot of time. So people come to me and I'm like, okay, so I give them a straight feedback and um, we discuss it. But I think for some people, that's a little, that's um, specifically for junior colleagues. They're not used to that because they're used to like, you have a lot of time and you sit and you explain. Yeah, fluffy, loving, <laughs> cuddling. <laughs> and um, and I, I'm just like, I'm not trying to use so many words around it. I just say like, okay, this is it. So why, why are we doing this? Or can we do it more like this and so on? So I give super direct, clear feedback. Um, but what's still important is it shouldn't be perceived as like aggressive or something like that. And that's yeah. why I tell people, look, this is my, my style of communication. Um, but you like, the good thing is like, I will never bullshit you. Like if I tell you it's great, I really think it's amazing. And then yeah. if, I, if I think something is amazing, I'm really over the top and amazing. If something is not great, I will also not try to sugarcoat it. <laughs> and I, I will just say, I don't think we're there yet. Um, and, but the most important thing is that if people do have a problem, they should still have the trust to come to me and say, like, I have colleagues, to be honest, writing me almost crying and say like, shit, I don't know what to do anymore. And this is the moment when you as a lead also have to be there and say like, okay, no matter what happened, let's, let's be honest. Like what happened? Okay. How can we make it work? Like, you don't care. Like I have your back. You're going to figure that out together. And I think that's very, very important that these are also the moments which can be there. And then I don't know, some of like, actually some of my direct reports also have become friends of mine. So we also hang out in our private really time. Good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's really good that you can like, you say you carry that candor that comes with it, but, but, it, but clearly 
And I think that's, uh, it sounds like you're doing it right. Well, clearly, because they want to be your friend at work, but that, and that's quite often where people get it wrong in their head, in their head. And they, it sounds like they're doing it with love and in the right way, but often that's where leadership can get like misconstrued, right? And you sometimes think, actually, that's not how I intended it to come across. So you need, like you say, you do need to be careful of that, but it sounds like you've got that right, which I really like. So that's, uh, yeah, really interesting. So tell me then, like, what you're really passionate about, Christina, what gets you out of bed in the morning and like, what do you love about the industry and what you do? Um, so I think at the moment, what's really exciting for me is that we're challenging um, a very old traditional environment and this is the financial system because what we're doing is we're building the bridge between the traditional financial world so we offer a normal bank account which is fully licensed um, with a visa card but we also have like you know crypto and blockchain wallets and we basically building the bridge between those two worlds because wow. I don't we're there yet to be the full blockchain account and because you cannot pay your bills, there's no infrastructure for it. But we do believe that um, there's a lot of good things coming already through blockchain technology, better ways how to invest your money, better financial products. So, and we're trying to build the bridge because that's um, how the customers can get the best of both worlds. And that's very new, um, it's very disruptive, and uh -huh. it might change the way how we do banking in the next five to 10 years. And that's pretty, pretty exciting. And it's a problem that everyone has, right? Everyone has an account. Everyone needs to deal with money. Or, um, and I think if you see the millennials, for example, they grew up in a world where you don't have the savings account anymore. You just do a bank transfer to a savings account and you get easy 3 4% of interest. Also, the millennials, they grew up in a world where digital is more important than the physical world often, right? I mean, these people, they pay so much money for like digital sneakers in a video game or stuff like that, right? Yeah. <laughs> if, you miss, if you miss how many people saw your Instagram story, people would freak out. So, or if you're not posting instantly. So for them, the digital world is already more represented, like more important often than what's really here present. And I think for them, it doesn't matter if a currency is digital or not, right? Um, and I believe the, the acceptance of all those things will be way different than in even our age, I would say. So I fundamentally believe that there's a lot of new things coming up, digital assets. You can, in the future, invest in art, for example, super easily in a digital way. And I don't know, there's a lot of opportunities coming along, uh, which I believe is very interesting. So I don't believe that in the future, it's only that you invest in companies that you can maybe not even relate to what you do in shares, but maybe you can invest into your favorite song and every time it gets played on Spotify, you're in money with it or whatsoever, you know, but things which are a bit more emotional. And I think there's a lot of things that, that we can have a look into and that's great. And that's so exciting. Yeah. So interesting. I've never thought that in depth about it, but I think that's like shone a light on it. And I think it's clear when you're talking about it, you're thinking of it in a product way and like the, under the skin of your customer. So I think like, that's just really, really yeah. fantastic to hear. Um, and the thing yeah. that's really new to me is also now in C-Level, I mean, we're really building a company, right? And everyone always told me, um, hey, Christina, like, it's just a matter of time that you will found your own company. But if I'm very honest, for me, this is the thing because I've experienced the bankruptcy already, like in my family. So right. like, uh, for me, this is always, even though I know, you know, it's, I can, I can do it and I like would do maybe things I, I do in my style. 
but it's still something that I'm afraid of. Yeah, right? We say always fear or love. <laughs> this is what yeah, I fear decide. Or love. Yeah, I feel, I feel like every time you're thinking, I'm like listening and going, fear or love. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And uh, like, and then this opportunity came along, and I'm like, you know what? It's like my entrepreneurial experience because it feels yeah. like my company too. And um, no, like, no matter which day, like if. If like our PR lady wants to check things on a Saturday, I'm like, yes, let's do it because it doesn't feel like, oh, I have to go to work on a Saturday. Yeah. It's like amazing. Let's do those cool things. And it doesn't matter what time is it. Like it really feels as my company. And I think That's this so is fantastic. Another great way. it's your thing and you can create. It's not you're following someone else's path. You're creating it. And this is super exciting. It's amazing. Um, so you mentioned earlier Radical Candor. What other books would you recommend or what what? what um so what sort of content has really inspired your your mm-hmm. approach to leadership as well okay there are a few <laughs> <laughs> so there is a one thing a book that i actually read during my sabbatical and it's a mix of a book and a working book and uh it's a classic actually it's probably the the one of the most classical books and it's called um seven habits of highly effective people by so stephen covey And uh, I was um, suggested this book by one of my mentors and then I ordered it on Amazon and it came and I was like, ugh, this is a management book. And I never wanted to read it. And I don't know why I took it to my sabbatical and it changed my life because one of the first tasks you get is that you write your own funeral speech and you imagine who is there, like family, colleagues, friends, whoever, like you, you, you first of all imagine all of that in your head. And then afterwards, you, of course, think about what do all these different people should say about you later on. And that was one of the, the first tasks that he gives you. And I think after that, like, there's a lot of, lot of great working. That takes you on such an emotional journey, doesn't it? Yeah. Really... But he gives yeah. you in general, you know, great talent, how to prioritize things in your life, how to prioritize sometimes family over work, um, how to do things more yeah, efficiently as well. But it's, it's a really, really, really good book. And um, it's a shame that it's a little bit has a reputation of being a management book because it was the best life advice I get, I would say. Mm-hmm. Then there is the author, Simone de Beauvoir, um, like uh, a French philosopher, like the, the on and off girlfriend of Jean-Paul Sartre. Um, right. And I think she wrote a lot of great books mm-hmm. um, about women becoming independent in a very, very early age already, like, I don't know, 50, 60, 70 years ago. And I think I read that a lot when I was younger. And uh, I think it just always gave me the, yeah, it made me brave to actually fight for myself and like never like limit myself just because I'm a woman. And I have to say, I grew up with all the brothers. That's why I always felt like I never have this, but the more higher you get in hierarchies, the more you feel it. And I always have to think back of her and always think, what would Simone de Beauvoir tell me? Then there's, of course, the classic Sheryl Sandberg lean in. And Maybe a last one, which is Having or Being by Erich Fromm. And this is another philosophy that like followed me in my life, which is either you can have things in life or you can be them, right? You can study a lot and learn and read and read and read. And then you know all that stuff. And whenever there is a dinner, you can like tell everyone. But it doesn't mean that you really digested it and feel it and become this wisdom. So there's a, there's a big difference of being knowledgeable, which is like having knowledge or like being wise. So, and it's a lot like you can have a lot of money, uh, but this doesn't mean that you're rich as a person. Like it's all these kind of things. And I think yeah. this changed a lot of the, how I, how I see the world. Um, mm-hmm. I found it on a flea market and yeah, it changed a lot how I think of life. 
so good isn't it how like one one book can just change your perspective completely yeah. and that's so great one thing that I wanted to dig a little bit deeper into as well is your podcast so tell us a little bit about the podcast you said you've been a bit like you're not so active on it at the moment but it's something you were doing last year mm-hmm. it's quite interesting because your topic is about it's like around like development for people personal development as well right yeah actually now as I told my life story <laughs> Um, actually, yeah, when I came back from my sabbatical, I had the idea during my sabbatical because I came back and I'm like, you know what? Um, I learned a lot what I'm good at or what my strengths are and maybe also what I'm not good at. Um, why can I not look for a job based on my strength? Maybe I should not work in product anymore. Maybe you should not work in e-commerce. Like, can I not just take the stuff I bring to the table and based on that, find maybe something else and while like having those thoughts, because I was in this pro- process, like, what do I want to do next? Um, I talked to a lot of people about that. And a lot of people are always like, have you read that book? Um, you should watch this video of this person. You should meet this yeah. person. So a lot of people gave me a lot of inspiration. And at some point I thought this was so inspiring that I thought, can I not make my little research for myself public? And that's yeah. how I started. And um, that's how I got in touch with a lot of interesting people that told us a little bit about how we can think differently about work because not everyone wants to quit their job and become self-employed, you know, and a digital nomad <laughs> whatsoever. So a lot of people just want to stay employed because they like the, say, the security, but like, how can you still have a different perspective on like finding that job or yeah, doing something completely different? Mm-hmm. It's, um, and, and what would you feel like the, the most like, poignant thing that you learned on that was then? Um, I think the most impressive one for me was one of like one of the uh, yeah the one with Richard Brand I was saying Richard Brand he's like he he owns a code school in Ghana mm-hmm. and wow. I asked him um, hey Richard because I went traveling to Ghana and I interviewed him so I asked him what can we learn from the people in Ghana because normally you know the Europeans go there go there and say like come on we tell you how the world works and I said what can I take back to Europe and he said innovation. And I said, what do you mean by that? He said, look, if you in Europe want to build a startup, let's say a delivery, like a pizza delivery service or e-commerce, you take so many things for granted. Like you, you take for granted that there is a payment service provider and there is a delivery service like DHL or Hermes or whatever. And um, in Ghana, if you want to do something like that, you have to build everything up from scratch because there's no infrastructure. However, we as you have access to innovation uh, like blockchain technology or whatsoever. So the thing is that we have to think everything from the customer from scratch, but maybe use new technology because we're not so blocked with existing solutions. We might come up with complete different ideas by using new technology because we're not so preoccupied with things. And that was something that stuck with me until today. Um, And I think it's right. And I think we should rather encourage more innovation labs with people from other countries that might think completely different about problems. The potential um, is huge because they haven't got those preconceived ideas and things already set out. And actually, I think it's really similar to something that Aaron Kumar came on one of our podcasts um, a few episodes ago that you have to listen to. Actually, he said something really similar about like the infrastructure in India um, nice. and, and the opportunities that that brings, which is really exciting and true, isn't it? So, yeah, I definitely agree with that. Love that. So, tell me about then, like your involvement in the tech community in Berlin, like any specific events that you go to that you want to talk about or um, how like the tech community plays a key role in helping you get to where you are today as well. Mm -hmm. So um, I have to say like since COVID, I'm not 
so much around anymore. I mean, in general, I'm a big fan of like the product scene. I mean, there's yeah. Mind the Product in London, for example. There's also Mind the Product in Hamburg. So um, I spoke there, or um, spoken some product tanks, which is basically the, their meetup. Yeah. Um, in general, I'm very involved in yeah in the product scene in, in Europe. I would say so. I teach in the product academy in Switzerland, and we have a, a women leveling up program there. And then we have in general like you know for younger product managers. But I also ran some workshops. Um, and then I'm very involved with the Founders Foundation. That's um, in um, yeah that's actually in like a little town in the middle of Germany. And but they're doing a lot a lot of cool stuff for like early founders to basically yeah. educate them. And that's pretty cool. So I also run some classes there. And um, yeah, there's the productized in Portugal, which I really, really like. Um, yeah. But the good thing is now through, through COVID that everything went online and yeah. sent all these meetups. It doesn't matter anymore in which country they are. Um, but yeah, I, I, sometimes I like to go to offline events, you know, just to meet the people again and talk because that's how you make the connections. And the spirit, it just feels differently. There's yeah. so many positives to it isn't there that it, it's it never beats good old-fashioned networking does it and just having yeah. like a nice drink with someone and, and getting on a level is just you can't quite do that so it'll be interesting to see how technology over the next few years allows that because obviously give you so much investment in that and uh it'll be certainly interesting to watch um how do you look after yourself you you, you mentioned earlier how the trying to get the balance between work and family is really important, but you love your job so much. You're, you're playing such a key role at Bitvala that you, you want to be at work on a Saturday, but how do you look after yourself and manage the stress of all of that, Christina? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I would lie if I say I'm not feeling the stress <laughs> because with this kind of schedules from eight to eight, like in 30 minutes, usually meeting after meeting, um, you can feel it. So I actually try to, you know, block myself some time also during the day to think, because this is what, especially um, when I was in my first leading roles, completely underestimated that you should have time to think because otherwise you're just a puppet, just a puppet running after things and fixing things, but you're not creating anymore to you know move things forward um you need time to be able to do that don't you like and and often the most you're the times you're most creative is when you're away well away from anything to do with work and you have that one thing one thought or that's what i like that i mean usually i travel a lot and even during covid times i had the feeling i was lucky enough to still get out here and there because when i'm somewhere else like i have to think the feeling i can just think better um but in general i um yeah i have a good morning routine i would say i um, first of all, I, I I changed my my eating times now and f- try to follow a 16-8 kind of okay. intermediate fasting. And it helped a lot for my sleep. That helped a lot for me getting up at 6. I don't have to put an alarm clock anymore. So I usually get up at 5.30 or 6 since I changed oh, my yeah. eating. Just really? I don't know why. And um, then, yeah, I get up at 6, do 30 minutes of meditation, 30 minutes of yoga. Um, and I have a shower and I usually have some time left. And then I start cooking. <laughs> I really? cooking early in the morning, yes. In the morning? Mm. What did you make this morning? Uh, I had actually pumpkin uh, from the oven, like oven pumpkin with oven broccoli with oh, yogurt mint sauce. <laughs> so yeah. you cook that for your lunch or what time do you start your 16 eight? Because most yeah, people start at 12. Right. and um yeah I also like <laughs> made lunch packages for my boyfriend too so actually I feel like this little mummy at home now but uh, I really like that I really create like nice. crazy food 
because it's for me it's physically creating something mm -hmm. you put yourself in it because um. like spices on it and like I think you also taste it if someone puts it cooks it cooked it with love or not yeah, and yeah, the creation process and I really really enjoy it I don't know why but it's I really enjoy it there's something really nice about giving yourself more time in the morning isn't there it's such a simple thing but just like not rushing yeah. a bit of time for yourself even if you just like have a nice cup of tea and just on your own it's just like having that time I think it really makes a difference yeah Like you say, travel is so key. So you weren't inspired with the whole digital nomad. I was actually interviewing on one of my other podcasts, um, a girl called Just last week. She's a digital nomad. And um, it was just so interesting. But kind of that lifestyle then, you decided. Yeah. I thought about it and it was always one of my dreams. But since COVID kicked in and we're <laughs> in front of our computers the whole day, I'm like, you know what? I actually like working with people and in person as well. And I think a mix, I would like to do a mix. Actually, I hopefully book a flight tonight to one of the Canary Islands for next week. And my Amazing. Where are you going to go? My parents live in the Canary Islands. Oh, wow. Amazing. Yeah, they live in Lanzarote. Nice. Yeah, yeah. we're also like between Lanzarote and Tenerife. Oh, lovely. Yeah, yeah, that'd be nice. Well, hopefully it's been really nice and sunny there lately. Last time I went out, it was raining, but um, that was just bad luck. <laughs> they had more more rain in the in the week that I was visiting than they'd had in three years. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, no, it's actually a really nice time of year to go, actually, because it's because they have had quite a lot of rainfall recently. It's um, it, All the flowers are out, so it's really beautiful. So, oh, good for you. That'd be nice then, to get a bit of good So did you trip. brought the rain from England? <laughs> yeah, I always do. <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. Good for you then. So you've still got to be able to get away, haven't you? And hopefully this year with the level and rate of vaccinations, that's still going to be an option for us. So I do hope so. And um, I love to end the podcast then with finding out like what's on your agenda. Obviously, it's still super exciting a bit while because you still it's still fairly new, but like the next 12 months, what's on the horizon? What can you tell us and shout about? It's uh, good to know what's exciting. Yeah, I think we're going through a really, really, really big rebrand. Yeah. This pretty much new everything and it's gonna be very very exciting so yeah. in more or less like probably april if you look into our product and everything it looks very like very different and we're going in a slightly different direction and it's gonna be very very exciting because yeah i think it's gonna be a slightly new direction that will for sure um attract even more people that we already do um, because it's, yeah, it's really, really cool. So the people who saw it so far, the user we tested it with, they absolutely were over the moon. So we're really excited about that. Um, What an awesome yeah. thing to get involved in so early with the business as well. That's incredible. Yeah, exactly. And you do those big steps, you know, and I think for us, it was really good. Like the whole Bitcoin bull run the past weeks was crazy. So it was a good yeah, yeah. time actually. And um, yeah, other than that, um, we're growing the company massively. So there's uh, two, three new cool products that we're going to launch until the end of the year. And wow. um, yeah, so I guess this year is uh, all of like bringing the product to the next level. Um, and then go, go for the next big funny round, like end of the year, like beginning of next year. And uh, this is going to be also exciting because now suddenly we talk about like different, different numbers, different goals. So yeah, it's going to be exciting. 
so great and there's so much opportunity for you to put your stamp on it isn't it in there and and drive some amazing initiatives going forward so and disrupting as you do and you've done so many times before it's yeah definitely going to be really interesting I can't wait to watch and keep an eye on the brand so thank you so much for coming on the podcast today if anyone wants to reach out to you Christina is it LinkedIn Twitter what's the best form of contact um yeah I think uh you can follow me on Twitter uh mobile geek girl and then yeah otherwise on LinkedIn yeah amazing perfect thank you so much for coming on the show it's great to hear your story thank you so much see you later (laughs) we would like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in it means a lot to us and we really appreciate your support 